This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 70. Will you fight for the honor of Grayskull? Grayskull. Thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Macca. And I am Justin Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. And we are back because I don't know what that accent was. Um, <laughs> Shira Season 2 is out and streaming and beautiful. Yes, it is a thing of beauty. I'm so excited that it's back. And if you haven't watched it, hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and listen to this because there will likely be spoilers. Yes, spoilers. We're going to kind of do a talk about the overall season, and then we'll get into specific episodes in our later episodes. So we had seven episodes for season two. And don't worry, that doesn't mean that the show is over because the first season was 13. Um, this is kind of the way they do the seasons, at least with the DreamWorks cartoons, if you compare it to Voltron. So don't worry, more Shira coming, even if they didn't even announce it yet. We think there'll be more. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt, especially leaving it on a cliffhanger like that. They yes. gotta come back. Yes, definitely. I love a cliffhanger. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. My, uh, I think my first thought, and I think everyone sort of agrees, is, and maybe it's because we were so hyped, like, yes, season two, right? Season one starts off very strong because we obviously have to introduce ourselves to the char- the main characters, get Adora the sword, make her become She-Ra. So that's all already established. So when season one started... Um, <laughs> with the episode with all the robots, I, I didn't hate the episode, but I, I really didn't feel that it was a strong season opener. It is, it is not a strong season opener by no, any definition. I, it's just filler, you know. Yeah, it took me a yeah. while to It, it does not get you excited to watch more of season two, which is what a good season opener should do. So it's just like, huh, okay. And you're, there's just no, it does not build up the excitement. Well, and my main complaint about this episode is it was a real big, like, switch in Frosta's personality. In the first season, she was so stoic and like, you know, I'm going to show them how mature I am. And I'm, I'm assuming this is because now she has friends and she really didn't maybe have that previously. But she's like obsessed with glimmer and she's whining and she's making these puns about ice. <laughs> but yeah. she's and like 10. Like I know, but I just. And she's finally getting to be a little kid. Like, I'm all for kids actually being able to have proper childhoods. And I feel like she has not had that opportunity. Like, maybe before her parents died, whenever that was. But I forget what age she said she took the throne, but it was really early. And. Yeah, clearly all of the people that she rules are underlings, so to speak. So they view her as this, like, boss lady and they can't actually just 
be a friend to and have a normal conversation with. It's all like your majesty and blah, blah, blah. And now she gets to break away from that and actually be a kid. I'm okay with it, honestly. It, I know some people it bothered them because it was a big switch. Agreed. But I'm happy that she gets to have that. I... Yeah, like, I understand why they did it. Like, for all the reasons Katie just said. I think it was just because it was so jarring. Because the switch was like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the switch from season one. Um, but yeah. And plus, in the first episode, I kept getting confused as to what part of it was in the simulation and what part of it was real. <laughs> yes, like, I th- that was very confusing. I'm glad you brought that up because I I, I was confused. I, I thought Shira was there and then she's not there. And then I don't know. Yeah, like I think some of the personality <laughs> we're seeing, even some of it was, I think, Frosta was in the simulation part. And then later on, when they're actually there, she's still acting the same way. So it's not that it was out of character, but those weren't actually things she said or did. It was just stuff that Light Hope was making a hologram of for training purposes. So speaking of confusing, now this this might be in part because of the fact that I'm listening to the audio description. And the audio description is okay for this show. It's not the best I've heard. It's not the worst I've heard, but it's it's not as good as it could be in certain places. The thing that uh, confused me, and I, I mentioned this, I think both Shadow and Katie when I texted them about this season. I thought it was really weird when Mermista just like conjures water out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. It's I... like, it makes no sense. I don't like it. I, I think it, it it's a problematic from a storytelling point of view because if she can just conjure giant waves of water whenever she feels like like that is that makes her too too powerful in in a lot of situations and it just it just felt weird well she did do it in at least one episode of the original show i can't remember which one but it's the same kind of situation where it's like mermista and frosta standing there together and mermista puts her hand out and like the water comes out and then you know frosta freezes it and i i don't necessarily get the point of that either because frosta can create ice without water so why yeah <laughs> does she need mermista to do it except like mermista i guess the water would flow over something and then she freezes it so maybe you're getting like a slightly different attack effect yeah and like okay scientifically thinking there are like <laughs> aquifers of water under the ground so she could be somehow accessing that water so it's not really coming out of nowhere it's just we don't see it coming out of the ground yeah i mean you could probably find some sort of way to rationalize it i guess but it did strike me as odd yeah i don't disagree that it's a bit odd but i can find ways to make my brain accept it and be okay with it (laughs) but like the only way i feel that this episode furthers any type of plot is that near the end Bo discovers that Entrapta is most likely still alive and they think that she's being forced to help the Horde create these bots that scene is pretty funny when they think she's being tortured Yeah. (laughs) so yeah that gets us into episode 2 which I would like to point out, uh, there must be something in the Master of the Universe contracts that says that every series must have an episode called The Ties That Bind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to that. That's a good catch. 
Episode two was a lot better than episode one. Except that, can we just not have any more Swiftwin? Can he just go away now? <laughs> you are so mean to Swifty. I love him. I had I... an interesting experience during season two, um, <laughs> which I, I was very much with Josh in season one, and I despised Swiftwind. <laughs> I just thought that voice was incredibly <laughs> jarring and didn't fit. But I think. With season two, I kind of accepted him as his own character. Um, and I actually, like, he became, like, one of my favorite things about the season. Um, like, I was sending Traitor! John... Betrayal! <laughs> I was sending John, like, quotes from his uh, songs and stuff. Like, he, he really made me laugh. Um, and I think now that I've accepted him as his own, like, Swiftwind character... Whereas I think he just annoyed me more. (laughs) (laughs) I made my peace with him. (laughs) Well done. Very well done, Martin. Well, I was very glad that after, I think, episodes two and three, we... I don't know if we see Swiftwind at all after that, or he's very minimal after that, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, boy, and there's a lot of Swiftwind in episode two. The episode is still very (laughs) good, despite Swiftwind, but it's... Yeah, it's hard. I I I love all the other characters, even even some of the ones that are really different from the original. I really love the the depictions in this show, but I just can't. I can't deal. I can't deal with. Well, I I do appreciate though that they have an episode where they are showing the need for Adora and Swiftwind to kind of bond, Mm -hmm. because in the original series, right, you know that Spirit was you know already Adora's steed. Um, and then it just turned into Swiftwind. Um, so this one, I like how they kind of have to, they're trying to set up this thing because Adora, obviously she's all like, I'm She-Ra, I'm going to do it all myself. I don't need any help. Um, but if she works with her steed, um, she can get more accomplished. Um, I wish they would have used, unless this watchtower, I hope this watchtower that they repair, uh, comes into play again. Cause I don't like it when things are just done for a plot point device, so I we didn't hear anything else about that watchtower the rest of the season. So well, now I, Light I Hope is charged up again, so they didn't need to. But maybe the horde will like find it or destroy it or yeah. something, and then Light Hope will go offline, and it'll be a big to do. Yeah, I, I suspect it'll it'll be back. They've uh, done a pretty good job of dropping things in here and there, and then picking them up later. So. Mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, be, especially like, um, you know, I forget what episode it was, but they, you know, show, I don't know what they showed you or told you in the audio description, but like it showed, they didn't mention the Crimson Waste yet, but they showed the Crimson Waste and there was like a fortress thing there. And then the constellation was like glowing in the, in like a panel, like where near a, like a computer desk, um, so I like that, right? They're like, ooh, what's that? Then then like a couple episodes later, you're like, oh, they were showing the Crimson Waste in that episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> episode... on the, uh, sorry, on the subject of Light Hope, before we move on, uh, does anyone else, because she's not in the rest of the season very much, so I won't get this chance again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> does, does anyone think that Light Hope is like very sinister? Um, I always get the feeling whenever Light Hope shows up that, like, Mara didn't go crazy, that Light Hope 
did something to her, or Light Hope isn't telling the truth about what happened with Mara, or Light Hope is like some sort of manipulative, sinister character here who we don't really know too much about. I don't know if that's just me. That's the vibe that I get from her. No, I get the vibe that Mara didn't go crazy. Mm. I definitely get that vibe, that maybe she destroyed all of this stuff for a reason. Yeah. Like yeah, maybe I mean, because there's the definitely more to yeah. it. It's not as simple as Light Hope is explaining it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that impression watching it, but next time I watch the early episodes of this season, I'll keep that in mind, Martin, and see if I pick up on it. <laughs> it could be, too, that Light Hope doesn't understand why Mara did what she did. True. And maybe Adora will figure that out. That would be interesting. Because, yeah, she's just an AI. Like, what does she really understand? I don't know. She doesn't understand that Adora doesn't have a mainframe in her head. <laughs> and, <laughs> but they, she too has buttons. I love that, that scene. That was amazing. I too have buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Episode yeah, like three. Comic Relief. Episode three was even better, in my opinion. Like, oh well, up mm. than one and two. Like three is where I felt like. So I I enjoyed episode two a lot. Episode three was where I felt like, oh okay, we're we're getting back into the good stuff here. Mm. Wait, remind me of what happened in episode three. That's the one with well, like the when, ghost village yeah. thing oh, going on. Okay. That's like deserted. Oh. There's like a mystery to solve and. Yeah, so I I appreciated the mystery to solve, and I I I think they used the bit of Adora telling the princess horror stories. It went a little little too far. Like, <laughs> oh, that was great! I thought that many. was hilarious. But I, I I just feel like there was just a couple too many, and I was like, okay, we get it. Also, now, when are you gonna realize you you were brainwashed? Hello. <laughs> also, less swift wind, so it's good. <laughs> Yes. Although, don't you feel that maybe since he wasn't as used uh, as frequently in this episode, that maybe he was it was a better use of his time? Like, yeah, it was more, I liked more how he was scared. Years. Yeah, and then he just like popped up in that doorway and he scared the burp out of everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Featuring one of my favorite lines from the series, which was uh, Swift went like jumping and going, "Boy, man, you got to keep it together." <laughs> <laughs> you know, here here's the thing. We need more majestic Swift Wind, like like from the eighty show. Less Mister Ed. That's what we need. <laughs> oh my goodness, Mister Ed. That's a that's you know there are some people that might listen to this podcast and they would have no idea who Mister Ed. Is. <laughs> well, that's what he reminds me of, kind of, and I think that's part of the irritation. Was Mister Ed a horse? Yes. Who talks? Oh, yes. He was of a course. talking horse. Of course. <laughs> See, Martin doesn't even know who Mr. Wow. Ed is. Okay. <laughs> it was also an American uh, show. It makes so. me feel old. <laughs> yeah, Google it. Like, look it up on YouTube. Yeah, black and white TV show. Oh. I only know it because of Nick at Night. Same here. <laughs> yeah. At least we, none of us were old enough to watch it when it originally no. came out. No, but it was on, like, it was one of those shows that they played on, like, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. Oh, or whatever. You could watch world. it all summer long when you're not in school. Yeah, like, I remember watching it at my babysitter's house yes. when I was really young. 
I was watching more intelligent shows like Get Smart. <laughs> yes. Here's a piece that of trivia. Max, Maxwell Smart was a real it had nothing to do with brain. Get Smart because I never watched that show. But oh. the way they got Mr. Ed to talk was giving him peanut butter. Yep. He could yep. talk. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> really? Yep. And then there was the short-lived Mr. Smith. Did anybody watch that but me? Mr. No. Smith? Was it that a was a show in the early <laughs> 80s uh, of, uh, of talking, I think he was an orangutan, some kind of monkey. <laughs> oh. And he wore a suit, if I remember correctly, and uh, it was a short-lived show that I watched as a child and very much enjoyed when I was like four. So, hmm. I'll have to look that one up. No clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're getting sidetracked. topic... <laughs> The best part of this episode, Mr. and Ed. you'll all agree, besides <laughs> Swiftwind's Mr. Ed impersonation, is the fact that A, Hordak is in this episode, and B, he teams up with Entrapta, and C, I love this. The dynamic is great. The end. Two of them. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I know, I... I I'm I'm so more a Hordak main villain fan than I am of the Shadow Weaver aspect of season one. Like I am really loving the fact that they are actually using Hordak in season two because that was a big complaint in season one. We were like, where's Hordak? He seems to be hiding in his throne room. You know, like Shadow Weaver's handling everything. I like in this, Katra is not handling everything. We now find out that Hordak has a much bigger plan because he is obviously the brains of this operation <laughs> um so he teams up with entrapta and this is perfect i i they they interact so well and you wouldn't necessarily off paper right think that they would be <laughs> a match made in heaven <laughs> although doesn't he come across as slightly incompetent at times i don't think so i mean he's really trying like he was really trying to get that portal thing to work and um and he had that atmosphere thing working which That's was true. real creepy and that well, if we can just discuss that real quick so in a later episode bo's um parents talk about um how when the first ones were around like the climate was different on the planet and i just find that interesting that for in relation to hordak's portal thing right he seems to need to also change the atmosphere. Like, he removes that something or other, and, like, Catra can't breathe, but Hordak can breathe. Hmm. So, uh, you know, because obviously Hordak's not from Etheria. Um, so I, I, I am so into how is this all going to be explained. I love how just sort of frustrated he is, and that's his development that he's like this guy who's been all over the universe and seen all these different planets, and now he's trapped on this one that he hates. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he just wants to leave. And I think that's a really interesting motivation for him. Like, he doesn't really care that much about the princesses. So he's just like sort of designating that to Catra while he's working on his portal stuff um, because he just wants to go <laughs> by the sounds of it, um, which I think is a really interesting motivation for him. Yeah, because he didn't. It was that's definitely not how it was in the original show, and I think this is an improvement. I I wasn't really 
thinking of it how you said, but that's a good point, how he doesn't seem to really care about the princesses. They're like an afterthought yeah. in him. That's, he has his minions deal with that stuff. Like if they his were character is Frito, oh maybe, go but... ahead no go ahead <laughs> I was just gonna say his character is so so well used in this season so much better than in season one yeah. so I just I really I really love the way they depicted him in this season I still wish we've got more horde members but yeah I was really um, scared when I finished this season I was like oh no Josh is gonna hate this there's no oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no I mean I still I still think that they're they're underusing the horde. I think the horde was better used in this season, to some degree. They certainly feel more of a like more like a menace than they did in parts of season one, uh, or more of a threat, I guess I should say. And Hordax certainly feels like more of a threat in this mm-hmm. season. But um, and I do wish there were more of the classic horde members being used, but it it was very well done. Well, good. My only gripe about Hordax in this season: no trapdoor. Yes. <laughs> Where is it? Oh my God! The perfect opportunity. Uh, he's waiting until no Montana makes his uh, introduction <laughs> before I he builds so. the trapdoor. I hope so. Yeah, I kept staring at those two lovers because I knew one of them yes. did the atmosphere thing, and I'm like, "What does the other one do? I need to know." So. Yeah. But I do like um, his interaction with Entrapta, and also how this is changing the relationship between Catra and Entrapta because mm-hmm. now she sees Entrapta as more of a threat to her position. Yeah. Because she's closer with Hordak now. And I love that they're like lab partners. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite little shots from the series is when like Catra's walking away from Hordak's throne. Um I think it's from in one of the next episodes, but she looks back and like Hordak's just like leaning on the throne and Entrapta's sitting on the side of the throne talking to him. And they just look like they're having like this little friendly conversation and Catra's like, "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like her, her original plan backfires because Entrapta is definitely seen more as like the number one. And Catra's kind of just, he's really hard on Catra in this season. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the whole, like, why is Shadow Weaver still? Now, this I also don't understand. I guess just because Hordak feels he just can't be bothered with it. <laughs> but when he's like, why is Shadow Weaver still here? Why is she not on dun 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 Beast Island? <laughs> um, it's like, okay, well, why didn't you just banish her to Beast Island yourself? Yeah. Like, why does Catra have to do it? <laughs> All that needs like some admin support that just yeah. can go out and do these things for him. <laughs> Although in his defense, I do think uh Catra was like compared to season one, she was massively incompetent in this season. Like yeah. everything she tried to do, like I don't think it's necessarily her fault, because I think like Hordak appointed her to the position and then didn't really care about how she got the stuff done without really realizing that she hadn't been trained for the position so like when she can't like find the stuff that's in the mine that's actually in the fright zone and like shadow weaver has got all these files and stuff (laughs) just just, like she really underestimated how difficult the job was which i thought was a nice touch of realism (laughs) yeah i I, like that too i think too that hordak uh he is 
in this uh ver well i guess in any version really but you know he wants he wants uh loyalty and he wants his minions to be capable and do what they're told and etc etc and the i think part of uh why he's been as hard as he has on, on catra is it's pretty pretty clear that catra's primary motivation is not doing what Hordak wants, not furthering the Horde's mission, whatever that may be, whatever. It's very, she's very uh, self-motivated, right? Like she wants to improve mm -hmm. her own position. She wants, she wants to do what she wants to do and um, cares very little. It seems like to me anyway, about, about the Horde as a organization or Hordak as their leader. Yeah, I agree. Plus, she has the complications of, from this season at least, obviously, you know, there's still the Adora dynamic with her and the I feel like Shadow Weaver is my mommy dynamic, too. Because yeah. she, even though she, I loved it when she, I don't remember specifically which, this might have been the Light Spinner episode, which is a couple from this. But when, you know, Shadow Weaver was like, why do you keep bringing me my food? Like, that's like beneath you, like. You know, Kyle should be bringing me my food. Why are you wasting your time? Mm -hmm. Like, so Shadow Weaver knew she had, like, Catra almost in the palm of her hand somewhat um, to manipulate her uh, because she still ha she has some type of mo motherly feeling. I mean, if I was Catra, why? I mean, you didn't see Adora really going, like, seeking out Shadow Weaver to be like, why did you treat me the way that you did or whatever? But Shadow Weaver was nice to Adora. Well, that's true. They did have a slightly different dynamic, didn't they? Yeah. All right. Well, don't jump too far ahead. Let's. Oh, sorry. That's sorry. okay. That's okay. Episode four. Let's go. Let's talk about episode My four because this is the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> yes. This episode is amazing because this gets. Well, first off, there's a couple homages to something. I don't know what that first thing was with like the very stylized like Katra in her like. Um, Jessica Rabbit type outfits. I, I wanted her to be like if this wasn't a kids' cartoon. I feel like she'd be smoking one of those long uh, stick cigarettes, like yeah. the penguin. <laughs> yeah. the so I, I have no idea what that was. That must be some reference to some something that's beyond my time. <laughs> it might have just, was this um, um, glimmers? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a reference to like 1980s anime. Like oh, it looks okay. the style. That's what it reminded me of. Okay. I figured if anyone would, too, know, like... it would be you, Leanne. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I could Near be wrong, that... but that's what I thought. Near the end of that episode too, they have all those different Catras and you know, one is from the glimmer fantasy. One is from the bow fantasy, but then there's like that, like hipster sunglasses one. I didn't know what that was. And then the little one on the, that was like, and I don't like flowers or, or something yeah. that reminded me of like some type of like modern cartoon network thing, like a, like an adventure time or Steven universe or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. It looked more like a child's drawing to me. <laughs> well, yeah, but have you seen those shows? That's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you, <laughs> but the beef or the main hamburger of this episode <laughs> <laughs> main hamburger where's that coming from i must be hungry the meat of um, this episode the meat uh, that's what i'm trying to say the meat of this episode to use cliches that you're not or puns or whatever that you're not supposed to use according to my uh freshman year english course in college um 
uh, is the filmation homage. Which is really <laughs> the only reason this episode exists. Like, th- yes. this is a, a, I'm trying to remember what I said earlier that you said I should say again. This is a, <laughs> this is a love letter to the original series. This does not further the story of season two in any way, shape, or form, really. And uh, it doesn't, doesn't need, this did not need to be, they did not need to make this episode. This was strictly done as a, an uh, homage to the original, and it was fun for that. Yes, and I, I disagree with anyone that says they were making fun of Filmation. I think they were having fun with Filmation. Um, I did not take it as a slap in the face. I took it, just like you said, it's a love letter to the fans. Um, I, they, they, they did so much that they didn't have, like you said, this episode does not need to exist. Other than it gives us the name of the other of the lizard horde guy, not Leech, but Rahulio. Um, that's really the only thing I f- of new information I found out in this episode. Otherwise, it was just a kiss to filmation. Fabulous secret them. powers were revealed to me yes. the day I <laughs> held aloft my magic trident. <laughs> Make me a magic Sarah. trident. <laughs> That was my favorite moment of this episode when when Mermista goes into that spiel. That was just that was great. Well, and I'm glad they had that and what happens on the end credits because I, I really wish they would not have shown the filmation clip at WonderCon. Yeah, it kind because of can you imagine our reaction? You know, kind of halfway through this episode when it goes into the original Shira theme song. And Bo starts talking like you know the Shira intro, and they're dressed in the in the costumes. I mean, we would have been like, we probably would have passed out, woken back up, had to rewind the episode. <laughs> so, but the fact that they they showed it at WonderCon, I just I feel like it was a real missed opportunity there. And then they did post the 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 clip online, yeah, um, yep. right right before season two premiered. Um, but I didn't realize at least at the time that they were. They were playing the original, you know, Shira, Shira in the background. Yeah, I don't think so, that was in the clip that they posted. Maybe it wasn't. I'm pretty sure. At least I don't. If it was on the WonderCon clip, it was because it was just people recording it from the audience illegally. <laughs> um, maybe that's why we didn't notice that it was that was the music that was in the background. Um, but at least we had the surprise at the very, very end of the episode when I freaked out. Because they actually did the I Have the Power, you know, the same ending uh, version of that song that they used on the original She-Ra end credits. So, yeah, good. I was I was totally blown away by that. And that's another reason why people who complain about this and say that they're, oh, they're just making fun of the original series. I mean, they didn't have to do any of this. Like, they didn't have to play Secret of the Sword at the end. Like... If you if you watch this and you still feel this way that they're like somehow making fun of, inst you know of, of the original series, like you're just not going to be happy with the show, like ever. Like I don't know what the show could do to make you happy. Yeah, I do yeah. not know how you get from point A to point B on that. I don't know how you watch this episode and say, oh, they're making fun of the original because that's it. It is 180 from that. If anything, it's drawing positive attention to it i feel so like if a little kid is watching this and has never seen the original and they're not getting the joke like their parents might be like oh yeah they're referencing how it was when i was a kid and that might make the the kid more interested in watching the original 
So I think it can only do good things, except for, yeah, those few people who are looking for any possible thing to complain about. And if you're watching it just to complain, why are you wasting your time and other exactly. people's? Uh, maybe just stop because it's clearly not for you and that's okay. Well, a lot of people too are basing their opinion just on the filmation portion of the episode that they posted on the, you know, the official Shira social media right. outlets. Like they're basing it on that. They haven't watched the entire episode. Um, and I, I really feel that the end credits that they have the secret of the sword theme song on there, um, that really seals the deal on this is more of a love letter to classic fans that are supporting this show mm -hmm. than a, we are just making fun of the old show because we're so much better. That's because that's... like Josh said, yeah, there's, there's no reason they did no reason to even do the episode. Yeah, that is it's like the bow on top. But even with no pun intended there, sorry, bow. Uh, <laughs> that's like that's like the bow on top. But the 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 thing is, is like that the ending theme. So I I didn't even realize it was there because my Netflix is set to skip the ending credits, and I cannot figure out how to turn that off. It's driving oh. me crazy. Um, it so it never it doesn't skip them. I didn't even know that was there until John texted me about it, and then he sent me a little clip just so I could hear it, which was great because I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. But the um, even without knowing that was there, I I could not I cannot fathom coming away with the idea that they were making fun of it. It's just it, I don't I don't get where that's coming from. When it was such just I feel a creative way to put in a little nod to the classic series, like a true actual here's classic stuff. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, they, how they set up those stories. Oh, and I have no idea what perf perfumas was. Was that like swamp thing or something? I don't know, but I don't know if this was but a particular like, style. Hers but is a pretty, yeah. <laughs> but um, like, cause if you actually sit and watch the episodes, you see what they're doing. And I think like, you know, um, the people that just watch the clip online, like they, like Mermista in during the filmation one says something like, you're like, Ugh, I'd rather die than be in this or something. <laughs> I don't forget what she says, but it's some type of little thing. And you know, like people will suck onto that and they'll be like, we'll see they're making fun of blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. Have some fun with your life. Enjoy <laughs> the episode because that's what it was intended to do. It was intended to have fun. Yes. Yeah. Plus that's Mermista's personality in the show. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So she would she would do that about anything, like you know. <laughs> yeah, and like Remista yes. was probably my favorite part of this episode, like character wise. Like she was just awesome. Well, and she had rainbows in her sequence, so yeah. Sparkles, sparkle, <laughs> diamond or dolphins. Shoes sparkle. that are slightly better than my actual shoes. My other she was <laughs> And then, like, my hair does this thing where, like, it looks really messy, but it's really not. <laughs> it's, like, perfect. <laughs> Clearly, we all remember that one the most. <laughs> so good. But, yeah, I absolutely just, it made my heart squee. And then I audibly squeed as well. But I just, it was a big, warm, fuzzy for me. I don't know why it wouldn't be for everyone, but clearly everyone has their own opinions and takes and yeah. whatnot um but i took it the same way that all of you did it was just a love letter and a big hug and a kiss and a like heart with your hand symbol um to all of us old school fans that are still watching and loving this 
Well, and I also saw comments. I, we should really save a lot of this for when we actually review the episode. <laughs> yes. But there was a lot of comments, too, on how, um, oh, if if the series looked like this, I would I would be so into it. And to me, that says no. Um, the, the, the visual aspect, if the visual aspect of the show is stopping you from enjoying it, then you're not paying attention to the story because the story itself, remove the images, and this is perfect because what, Josh can't even see the the images. Yep. So he doesn't see, you know, She-Ra in her little shorts and everything, um, which I think we've all gotten used to the costume changes at this point. Yeah. Um, but if you if you pay attention to the story that they are setting up, it is really, really good. And I think a lot of it is true to the Shira mythos. So I think you would enjoy the show if you could, you know, they shouldn't have to look ex- almost exactly like their filmation costume design. And, you know, I mean, we went through this exact same thing with Mike Young slash 2002 era. Like there were those mm-hmm. fans at that point that were like, I, you know, I don't like the way so-and-so looks. It looks too different. But we went through the same thing. That's just fans need to, need to relax because they're not going to recreate what we had in the 80s and they shouldn't it's like the new star trek movies uh where it's it's the crew and all the characters that we knew from the 60s show it does not look like the 1960s show the costumes are different the enterprise is different thank god it doesn't look like the 60s show right and i love star trek and the original series is my favorite star trek but it's like it's supposed to be different it should be modernized it should be new it shouldn't be rehashing the the old thing and this is our second go round with this in the masters universe and it's like learn learn from the past guys like please yeah like- yeah in a way look at it it's re- in a way, it's kind of refreshing, right? It's it's a similar yet different origin for Shira. Do we really need, we got the secret of the sword in the eighties? Do we really want a almost frame by frame retelling of that yeah, in a, a new show? Waste you of can time. just you can just go watch Secret of the Sword. Yeah, I'm totally up for some new content, some reimagining, rehashing. Well, not rehashing. Um, the opposite of that. Yeah. I'm totally just here for some new content. I don't need to rewatch the old series in a new style. That would be pointless. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. new style is just to kind of show, okay, and now we're doing something different. And that's awesome. I'm so happy that She-Ra is getting the uh, the reboot she finally, I mean, finally getting the reboot that she has deserved for many years, but it's not gotten until now. And, and I should point out, since I went on a tirade a second ago with the Star Trek uh, anal- or, uh, comparison with uh, with the Star Trek uh, movies you, and, and even with the new Star Trek Discovery show, you've got the same thing going on, right? There's a contingent of fans who are not happy because Discovery, which is supposed to take, your, take place 10 years before the original Star Trek series, or the new Star Trek movies, which is, you know, like an alternate universe, but still the same thing as the original series and th- there's a contingent of fans in that fandom as well who hate both of those things because it doesn't look the same and it's just to me it's just silly like i would like these fans to find one instance in media find me one instance in media where they've rebooted something and it looked exactly like the original <laughs> it has never happened it will never happen 
There is no and point. It should for not it. happen. Exactly. So, well, I just get that expectation out of your head for the rest of your life. It's never going to happen. The only way things like that exist are like what James Etock is doing right now with his return of Faker, and that's a fan project. Like things like that. That's perfect. That's great. That's where those. That's where those things exist. Um, and should exist, and we have a lot of fun enjoying things like that, that fans put that kind of effort into. But we're not gonna get that from an official studio remaking a, a property, whether it's a movie or a TV show, whatever, even a book even, like or a comic, like they're gonna update it. So just just get used to it and, and stop expecting things that aren't gonna happen, please. And, and you know, well, you know and, what else is really yeah, funny uh, about all that too is if you're if you are a fan of any aspect of Masters of the Universe, this these things have been done in so many different styles now between filmation and the mini comics and the live action movie from 1987 and New Adventures and Mike Young and now the new Shira Show and these things are all completely different. Uh, the DC comics now, the DC comics from the 80s, like really different incarnations of this. How have you been a fan for 40 years if you can't accept different versions of these characters and these stories? Like, I just, mm -hmm. I don't understand how you could have been a fan all of this time without accepting that there's some different interpretations. Yep. And so, with that... Off the soapbox. Episode five. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an episode that confused me because they are in a very snowy part of Etheria and they did not bring Frost to it. Which seems that, odd. That was the one thing that, I don't know if bothered is really the word, but I was just confused by in this season that they only made use of the other princesses in what, two episodes? And all the rest, it was just the, the best friend squad. Or quad um, on occasion. Well, they've all got their kingdoms to watch over as well. I suppose yeah, you can, that's you can true. rationalize. If you're going to rationalize Mermista bringing water up out of the <laughs> underground aquifers, then uh, I think we could we could probably dismiss that. But. Okay, fine. Explanation. I will say. Besides, I, go ahead. I was just going to say this particular episode. Well, I really I enjoyed it a lot. I feel like it jumped the shark a little bit with the. Um, Seahawk Scorpia thing. Well, it was funny. It was just like this is just I don't know. I I, I feel like it was a little little bit um, a little bit out there for for the show. But I think it shows that Scorpia eventually is going to defect from the horde somehow because I think she's going to find friends that aren't Catra um, that so. accept her and. Yeah, she's going to. I just think she's she's trapped in the horde because the princesses didn't accept her originally, mm -hmm. and uh, she was kind of like the outcast princess. So she, that's why she ended up on this side of things. And gave I the think, garnet yeah. to the black garnet to Shadow Weaver, if I remember yeah. correctly. So maybe she yeah. steals it back and gives it to the rebellion. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be. Super. I my main problem with this episode. Um, was the main plot device was already used in a season one episode, which was infecting She-Ra's sword with that virus. Yeah. Um, though I do appreciate that that will no longer happen, given that the virus was, the, you know, destroyed at the end of the episode. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like they had to do that, though, because that was a thread that was left dangling in season one, right? Like that well, had to be Yeah, see, I can see that, yeah. 
I don't know. A lot of it was same old. I do enjoy a drunk Adora. Um, <laughs> and she's like, that, that's Catra's favorite number. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, this was not one of my favorite. Uh, I, I wouldn't rank this one as high, I think. It's better this than the premiere. Of, yeah, well, yeah, because we do get more information. Um, uh, I do like, you know, they're they're trying to find that thing, and Entrapped is like, ooh, that means that the monsters are also first ones tech. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I do like that. I, I, there's a lot of things to like about about the episode. I guess it's just kind of like a normal. How about a normal episode? Yes, not a filler episode, but just like a normal episode. Yes, yes. And I love yeah, Seahawk I, being there, even if he wasn't his usual robust adventure self. Um, I just love every time he's on screen. <laughs> yeah, I liked it for Seahawk, and I liked it for Scorpius' character development. Mm-hmm. And I liked that by the end, she basically stood up to Catra. Yeah. And destroyed the, the virus. I yeah, love thanks. that she uh, remembered Seahawk from season one and called him Inspector Pirate. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I I think Seahawk might be I think that Seahawk might be the the one character maybe the only one I'm not sure yet uh, it's it, this series is still too new but Seahawk might be the one character where I think I actually like this version of Seahawk more than the original hmm. I will have to think about that I might agree with you actually I'll have to give that some thought whoops Sorry, hitting stuff over here. Um. <laughs> and I like Seahawk a lot in the original series, but I, I think I like the Seahawk better. And the little, so- the, the pitiful little song he sings. <laughs> you wanna, what is it? Um, you want someone to take advantage of? I'm your man or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shira. I was a little mad at her at the beginning of the episode when she was like, well, you know, we needed a boat, and you have a boat. Yeah. Like, it's as if she didn't even want him there, but, you know, they needed the boat. And, I don't know, it's kind of rude. Uh, I, I don't disagree. Bad She-Ra, see? <laughs> even She-Ra can make mistakes. True. Are, can, um, oh. Go ahead. I was going to ask if I may open the discussion for episode six. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. So I just I want the one spin it one big thing I want to say about episode six. Two actually two big things. One for me me personally, this is the best episode of the entire run of this series, hands down. Ooh. Nothing comes close. This episode is much closer to what I wanted the show to be. Uh, it felt at times in uh, tone like a Mike Young episode to me. Um, it's dark. It's much more serious. Uh, it's for reasons that will be apparent as we talk about it, because the, the, there's basically no heroes in this episode. Um, this was so well written, so well put together. I, I have nothing, not a single complaint about this episode. I think it was my favorite as well. Like, I don't think anything is going to be able to top episode four for me, just the way it made me feel. But as far as like well-written, well-acted, all yeah, it was a brilliant episode. I agree. I think the Light Hope episode for me in season one is still my favorite. 
Um, but I haven't ranked them yet. Mm-hmm. But I would say Light Spinner is definitely probably in my my top three. I agree with you, Josh. It's a it's a darker episode in a good way, not like in a bad way. Right, right, right. Way. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, it had some nice classic references for us, like. Um, Norwin was used and I did like his update he's like one of those goat people uh, you know we got backstory on what fascinated me right so I love these episodes where we get the history that's what I seem to gravitate towards because I am desperate for information mm-hmm. and in the Light Hope episode you know we got all that Mara information and how Etheria used to be in the first ones and blah, blah, blah. So in this one, you know, we get more of the Adora information of Hordak went on an excursion, but he got there too late, and all he found was Adora. And then Shadow Weaver notices that Adora has this power within her. So I'm like, I need more information on this because this is fantastic. It's like, where did he go? Did he go to Eternia? Did he go somewhere else? Yeah, I, I think he had. To, I, th- I think he probably went to Eternia, but if it because it, it fits, if it, it does fit neatly together, unless it's just all a red herring, which is absolutely possible. But it does it does seem to fit with with what we know from both the classic and this series? Etheria seems to be. Uh, th- this is jumping very slightly ahead, but based on that, the comment about oh, you know, Hordak went on this excursion, all he found was Adora, and uh, and such, and um, that whole interaction of that scene between Hordak and uh, Shadow Weaver is actually really cool. But the the fact that uh, Etheria has no stars and uh, and Trapta is trying to help Hordak build this uh, this thing that'll go to other dimensions and things like that makes me think like Etheria is like trapped in like a like a pocket universe if that's maybe what Despondos well, is or something like that yeah and uh and there is no there's no space to speak of right there aren't any more planets in this area it's just Etheria tucked away in like uh like what they would call a pocket pocket dimension pocket universe in quantum whatever quantum physics and stuff i'm out of my depth here but it does <laughs> sound yeah. like uh it's that kind of thing which i think is really cool well and they i like that so you know they when they finally decode that message from the first ones that came through on bo's tablet it said serenia mara portal and serenia in the original Shira show was a place not a person which i think in the next episode they refer to that it's an actual a person but um serenia was like where the the etheria was balanced well it could be so both that, too yeah like it could be a, pl- and a it, place but it goes at a person yeah and it goes with the whole theme of the princesses balancing you know the the, the planet needing to be balanced and all of this stuff so you know, someone did their homework, and I like that. Yes. Um, what so if... So it's like... Okay. Ooh, it's so good. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so another one of my crazy theories, which so far have not been panning out very well, but I continue to throw them out there because I think they're fun and cool. Uh, so Serenia does sound like... Uh, you know, it's definitely a person as referenced in Episode 7 that we'll get to in a second. Um, and But... Uh, one thing that I think might be kind of interesting uh, if they go this way in some way, shape, or form, if it is both a place and a person, like the person was named after the place or vice versa, a place named after a person, um, which actually would make more sense. The 
I love there there is a um, continuity here that kind of works out where we have Eternia, which is like a variation of eternity or eternal. We have Etheria, which uh, incorporates like ether. So you have like forever. Uh, you have like uh, ethereal, like uh, spirit world or something like that. And then Serenia, which is sort of like serenity. It's sort of a, a thing. So what if uh, at one point uh, Eternia and Etheria were one world? That was Serenia. Oh, like the true balance. And that was the balance. And Hordak... They could even incorporate Hordak using his spell of separation that is popped up in Mike Young and popped up in the classics bios and all this stuff since they seem to be borrowing from other stuff. I mean, Despondos was originally from Mike Young too. So they're obviously yeah, that's, that's true. borrowed from other things. What if he used his spell of separation and that was how he got stuck here on Etheria in the first place? I, it could be interesting. Just throwing some ideas out there. No, no, I like that. And now what do we feel about... So, fans and everyone have been floating around the possibility that is Madame Raz actually Mara? And I find it interesting that the message was Serenia, you know, Mara Portal, or whatever order she says it in, because Madame Raz was involved in Serenia in the original show. So I think and hope that even if Madame Raz is not Mara, that she's going to be in some future season three episodes when we find more about Serenia. So I think I think Madame Raz is going to become uh, a more involved character in the future. At least that's what I predict. I was kind of wondering if maybe Madame Raz was like a, an earlier um, non-computerized version of Light Hope, like Mara's Light Hope, or maybe Mara's predecessor's light hope and by light hope i mean just sort of like the guide not necessarily that she had that name per se but like her you know Hema's got the sorceress mm. shira's got light hope and uh maybe maybe mara or one of her predecessors had raz perhaps i don't know well yeah like is it angela um, like supposed to be immortal and she's supposed yes. to be immortal yeah. so i guess madame raz could be as well she's just older on the immortal scale <laughs> which okay so micah appears in episode six yes and yeah uh, and that's what confuses me with the whole timeline because he's like a teenager yeah i was, I was gonna say like angela robbing the cradle much like wow <laughs> <laughs> well i just figured shadow weaver was a lot younger than wait hold on well like because like let's say micah's like how old would you say he's there like 14 and but but glimmer's only like maybe 16 so he can't have been gone that yeah. long so that those scenes can't have been that far back i don't well, think because and, and that's when the horde got the black garnet when let's just say micah was 14 or we'll even just say he was 16 we'll give him we'll give him some puberty um <laughs> so he he got um you know that's when they got the black garnet so the horde had already invaded but it didn't seem like Mysticor was that concerned. They're like, oh, the princesses will take care of that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I need them to flesh out this timeline because at, right now it doesn't seem to be computing in my brain. It, the, it, well, it doesn't match up. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many different pieces that don't quite fit together, and I feel like there's something we're missing something somewhere. There's got to be a, another big piece to fill in. Otherwise, the timeline's never going to work out because the first one's been gone for a thousand years. 
There was whatever that Mara did to screw everything up back then, but then there was the Horde invading, but not all that long ago. It, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts here, and I, unless there's a big piece that makes everything fit together, it, I don't see how it fits. Well, and is it possible that so Mara would have trapped them into Spondos maybe before the Horde came, and then Hordak used a portal and got there and got stuck. Because the atmosphere was different, because it was in... I don't know. I, sorry. I, it would take us forever. We could just... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hoping um, they'll spend more time in the library that we see in the following episode. Because if that information is anywhere, I feel like it should be there. So we, mm-hmm. need, we need to read some of those books in Bo's dad's library and learn all the history. Well, what's really nice about the next episode reunion, I feel, too, is it just goes to show how um, kind of diverse and inclusive that this series is without making a point to tell you that it is diverse and inclusive. Yeah. Like you have all those different body types for for the characters, different ethnic ethnicities Bo has two dads this seems very normal on Etheria like no you know you didn't see Glimmer go Bo has two dads what like it was just like oh your dads are cool like it's just like boom just like you know no one's constantly referring to Glimmer as overweight either right Mm -hmm. because she's a little a little fuller of a princess if you will Um, I like how they're giving all this representation to different aspects of kind of just how the world is without making a point to say, oh, look at this one and look at this one and look at this one. So A plus on that. Yeah, I completely agree. Although I do think it's kind of amusing that like, okay, so Bo has two dads and a brother. So this household, all men, right? And on uh, Etheria, overwhelmingly women characters, right? Uh, What we've seen on Etheria, it's like, do the men and women live completely separate on this world? Like, what is going on? Why is why are we dividing everything up this way? It's very funny. If you uh, watch the Orville, um, Adam was watching this episode with me and was like, hey, maybe Bo's race are like the Mocklins and they're all male. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because he said they said he had like 13 brothers, yeah. too, right? Not just yep. an older brother, but 13 of them yeah. or something like that. Um, it's very strange. Yes. I didn't I didn't know why the dads were named George and Lance. Anyone oh, have an idea? No, I, oh, yeah. Was, uh, um, I actually I think... do. Oh, go, go ahead. Uh, I, as far as, well, Lance, I'm not sure. George, I the, could be completely wrong on this. I took that as a nod to uh, George Sassenzo. That voice yep, the original bow. Yep. So they said they specifically chose that as a nod to the voice actor, and then Lance was a name they were looking up um, names of like weapons, and so they that's why they chose Lance. Oh, so they actually said in an interview that he's named after George Descendants. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that is that, so sweet. That is I really that. cool. I didn't know that either. I just assumed yeah. it when they said his name was George. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like I just assumed that's why they did that. I want to say it was Noel that said that in an interview. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah, because they also, I love, they posted of such a sweet little, um, uh, you know, thank you to Larry Dottilio when season two premiered because Larry Dottilio had recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they posted that on all their social media. And I think that's really nice. That's why I really hate when people say that these people have no respect for the for the classic uh, series that you know uh, they're they're well aware that they would not have this going on if there wasn't a classic series mm-hmm. whether the classic series was their cup of tea or not 
you know, they're they're making their show and that's what they should be doing, like we like we discussed. But they're they're putting in so many little nods for us. Yeah. You know? Well uh, you know go, going go back to, to, to the, the series uh the episode that we were on, episode six there, that feels like a Larry Natilio episode. Yes, it does. It feels like he That's would like, have written that. Yeah. And it also like a like even a Mike Young Larry Dottilio episode. Yep. yep. Um I think there's yeah, even a little a bit of, of Larry Dottilio's influence too in episode seven. Um because we remember in the um Mike Young series, Larry Dottilio wrote the episode where uh, Orko's in the library and you know, all that stuff in Castle mm-hmm. Grayskull and you know, finding out all this history about uh I can't remember which episode this is. Why am I blanking? I can't remember what, what the episode is. But, uh, you know, Orko's finding out uh, some history stuff and remembering when he's uh, when he comes to Eternia and all that stuff. It's like the whole flashback that was written by Larry Dottilio as well. And that seventh episode of season two here has that kind of vibe of that, uh, like that as well. Lessons. That was the name of that episode. There Lessons, we go. Lessons, yeah. Well, and I hope they utilize, like Katie, you said, this library seems to have a lot of information in First One's writing, mm-hmm. and Adora can read First One's writing. So I really feel that um, they need to utilize this. Yes. Because there there must be something. And I, I the, even the, you know, when he was like, uh, oh, we're not sure if she was called Shira or Hera. Like, <laughs> like that was, that was, that was perfect. Again, that's research on the classic. Um, they made a by the power of Grayskull reference. Yes. Um, and when, when is Adora going to start questioning that again? Because like, she's so like already forgotten, like, like Grayskull. What's a Grayskull? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, does so she say something like that again in season two somewhere? I can't remember which episode it was where she questions the whole Grayskull thing again. Or somebody does. I thought it was Adora. Well, I mean, Bo's dad says, you know, and it's rumored she fought for the power of Grayskull. And then Adora's like, it's for the honor of Grayskull. <laughs> um, maybe you're thinking yep, of that. I'm not maybe. sure. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. I thought there was another thing, but that might be what I was remembering. Yeah, I actually really loved Adora's interactions with both dads. Mm-hmm. I mean, partly because she can translate um, the the first one's writing, and I thought I just thought that was really cool. Also, it, it led to that scene where uh, it's a George has the tattoo of first one's <laughs> yes. writing on his arm, and he's like, "What does this say?" And she says, "It's like lunch or something." Yeah, <laughs> or like you know, lunch, yeah. he's like, "Oh my god!" I like that was so funny. Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so and good. the other, I guess then it would be Lance, and he was like, I love this girl! Yeah, yeah. It was so good. Like, I, I just, I really liked the dynamic because they could each help each other. Like, they have all of this, these writings and all of this history and stuff, and Adora can help actually interpret what it means. Yeah. And it just, I, I don't know, I just, I really, really liked that. So um, I loved how Adora spoke in that episode too, where she was like trying to talk like a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. even when she transformed. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, okay. So did anybody? Um, oh my God! When when Adora transforms and she, she is the for the honor of Grayskull thing, and then I don't know visually, Grayskull. but it sounds like it's like, like a cut to Bo saying, "Oh, she's got like a six major in yeah. Shira." And <laughs> yeah. All I could think of was all the times when cringe made snarky comments in the original He-Man cartoon when Adam <laughs> would be transforming and Cringer doesn't want to transform in Battle Cat and he would make some 
some funny comment during the transformation sequence. That's all I could think of was the way that he delivers that line reminds me of those scenes. Love it. It was so great. Well, and this, uh, of course, ended with the cliffhanger of Shadow Weaver escapes from the Fright Zone and appears in Adora's bedroom. Yeah. much. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that killed me. But uh, that was the end. I was like, but yeah. But. I, I, I'd like to say one other quick thing on this episode. This is this is a, a hard thing to articulate and not make it sound like a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing. I just think it's a funny thing in this episode, uh, episode seven, where um, they the the whole storyline that kicks this episode off, where Bo has been keeping from his parents the the fact that he is fighting with the rebellion and he's cooked cooked up this crazy story about going to this academy that doesn't exist and and so on and so forth and he's created these different uh personalities for Adora and glimmer then their art one's an art major and i forget what the other one was but anyway all these things right so um the that whole uh storyline in this episode to me feels like one of those 80s sitcom storylines of like the kids keeping a secret from their parents and they're gonna mm-hmm. find out and you know and at the end there's some lesson that is learned and it's got totally got that vibe but not in a, an irritating way but just in a you know not not in an irritating like pretty bunch sort of way but just in a this this is just kind of a funny nod to those kinds of things from the, like the 70s and 80s I didn't even think well, I think they. That. That's, yeah, I was just gonna say I miss things like that, honestly. And they do things sort of like that in the new My Little Pony, so it's not completely lost in today's media. Um, but uh, yeah, I, but it was more heavy-handed back then. That oh, was what I mean. Absolutely, and I that's that's agree. what this one kind of feels like. It's like we're gonna. It, it wasn't as heavy-headed as back then, but it's I think more heavy-handed than what you see nowadays. I think, and and as you know, I think deliberately so. I also think it was their way of doing like a coming out story, if you will, because in a way, I mean, obviously, Bo's not coming out. I'm not referring to that, but I think it's a parallel to that type of situation. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think they were kind of not shoehorning, but kind of working that in just with the dynamic that he had two dads and everything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out that episode was written by Josie Campbell, and so was the filmation episode, and then like the Lighthub episode, and I think it, then the Flowers for. Horda or Flowers for Shira episode. <laughs> She's been writing a lot of good episodes. Just wanted to point out who who wrote Light Spinner. Light Spinner was Catherine Nolfi. I don't know who that is, but God, that was such a good episode. Well, she also wrote Signals, so the one that was the the horror episode. Also, um, really, my, so my two favorite episodes of this season were written by her. So that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, and season one, she wrote the the Beacon. Um, Not a strong episode. Uh, she also wrote the uh, the Entrapta episode of season one. She wrote the robot season opener for season two. Huh. Um, but uh, I so far, I kind of feel that Josie Campbell is the strongest out of all of them. Um, she also did Princess Prom, which is, you know, at on face value, you think, oh, my gosh, that episode is going to be terrible. And then it's not. It's not. Yeah. No, uh, it's so. But they have. I'm not. I'm not calling any writers out. They're not. You know. The, the, I'm just saying is, is we're going to. Uh, we have a lot of good talent on this on this show. So I hope a lot of people continue to pay attention to the stories. Yeah. Well, 
that was She-Ra season two. And we probably talked more about it in specifics than we should have because we got to do all the episodes separately. <laughs> no, that, that's okay. Like, we did this before as well, and I think that's fine. Yeah, that's true. We, we'll we'll get much more depth. Our next episode, we should tell everyone, we're going to discuss episode one and also the Shira and Origin of a Hero book, chapter book that came out uh, last week. So we'll be discussing both of those. So if you haven't read it and you don't want spoilers, read the book. It's available on Audible, too. So if you don't want to read it, listen to it. And uh, the other big uh, He-Man news should mention is that Super 7 is releasing the Snake Mountain playset. Yes. And uh, that goes uh, on pre-order in May. Uh, so if you want that, it's a clean $600 with plus shipping. The shipping so. hurts. I'm, I'm going it's $150. Yeah. Oh, I'm, my I'm, goodness. I am, going, <laughs> I am going to get one because I am an idiot. But <laughs> God, I I, it, I didn't really think too much of the price of the playset that much, but the shipping was what was like, ooh, ouch. and that is just shipping said... within the U.S. So yeah. I can't even imagine like Martin, like overseas shipping. Good lord, twice as much probably. <laughs> yeah, I think they could have done themselves a a big favor in, from a marketing perspective uh in the united states at least is i think they should have just made the castle 750 dollars uh with free, free shipping. shipping that would have it's, it's uh, this it's the same price but from a marketing standpoint it's psychological so much better standpoint. psychological yeah. exactly exactly it's you're gonna you you would have an easier time accepting that than paying 600 dollars plus 150 well, I, shipping. I gotta, people look at that and say oh that's so much shipping i gotta think that uh that some of that price is because they were trying to hit the 600 dollars price point and they've because they, i can't imagine it costs 150 dollars a ship I, I i know it's been what like five or six years since we got the the huge gray skull for classics right and that one the shipping uh on that was only 40 some dollars so how is this triple i get it that it's bigger than gray skull was but good god almighty that's a lot of money for shipping <laughs> yep must be like overnight hand driven by one person to your house. <laughs> I know, right? Hand delivered gloves. Hand delivered by Alan Oppenheimer. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, I might buy it then. <laughs> that would be a perk that would make it worthwhile. Yeah. Alan Alan Whoa. Oppenheimer dressed as Skeletor. <laughs> In character, delivering the castle tea. That would that would be and worth it. And like he'll spend the rest of the day with you, and yes. you know have lunch yeah. with you and stuff. That would be a deal. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yep. At, at the very least, he has to come uh, dressed as Chef Allen. I'm just. Saying. <laughs> I'm here to deliver your sneak mat in your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so good that was great someone needs to isolate that so that can be a uh, text message tone on my phone that was great great. well on that note which was a high one yeah I can't beat that we can't beat that really can't except that 
Thanks again for listening. We hope you are enjoying the new Shira show as much as we are. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin, and I will not be delivering your Snake Mountain unless I get access to it on all but the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. <laughs> I'm Josh Delancourt, also known as Just Delancourt. Good, Good journey. journey. Felt like lasers. Ooh, you added your own echo there. That was fun. <laughs>